Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. As usual, all of the latest J2 and J3 news is coming your way very shortly. Uh, John Steele here with the J2 Roundup for this week. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's get cracking. Let's talk about J2 Round 25 from uh, Sunday last week. Uh, Let's start at the top of the table. I think there's only one uh, sensible place to begin this week. And there was a pulsating encounter at the renovated Kokuritsu Kyogijo, the first J2 game uh, to be played at the uh, the stadium since it's been renovated and it was the top two sides in the division that went head-to-head. It finished Machida Zelvia 2, Tokyo Verdi 2 in front of a very impressive crowd, 38,402 people uh, inside the, uh, the national stadium. Machida got off to a perfect start by going ahead in just the second minute when Eric played a smart 1-2 with Takuya Yasui and went clean through on goal. There was a brilliant save from the Verdi goalkeeper Mateus, but Shota Fujio was on hand and he swept in the loose ball to make it 1-0. And it looked as though the league leaders had three points in the bag when they doubled their lead seven minutes before the break. Verdi got themselves in a terrible mess uh, at their own throw-in. Hokuto Shimoda dispossessed Tetsuyuki Inami and that left Eriki running through on goal. He squared the ball for Yasui to tap in to make it 2-0 uh, to Machida. There were signs of a Verdi fight back right at the start of the second half with the Machida goalkeeper William Pope having to dive on the ball right on the home side's goal line. And after that, there was a very bright cameo for a young Verdi winger, Yuta Arai, who came on in the 66th minute for only his second J-League appearance. Arai went on a mazy dribble into the penalty area and then fired a shot against the outside of the post and he also forced a good save from Pope with a low drive from the edge of the box. This game became very interesting in the 73rd minute when Verdi pulled a goal back. Itsuki Somano back at Verdi for a second loan spell from Kashima Antlers in J1 and making his first appearance this season for the green half of Tokyo rose highest to head in a right wing cross from Kazuya Miyahara to make it uh, 2-1 and there was delirium for the Verdi supporters 10 minutes later as some fine approach play down the left flank gave Arai the chance to put in a low cross the ball deflected up off a sliding defender and it popped up perfectly for Somino to head across the goal and into the net to make it 2-2. Even after that, Machida had a last gasp chance to win the game as Eric went racing clean through, chasing a loose ball, but he just couldn't keep his shot down and fired over the bar and had the final whistle went, it was Machida 2, Tokyo Verdi 2. So Machida stayed 10 points clear of Verdi uh, at the top of the table and surely have at least one foot, uh, possibly a couple of toes in J1 at this point. Uh, Verdi do stay in second place, but they're level on points with the third place team uh, Iwata and just a one goal ahead on goal difference. Speaking of Jubilo Iwata, they're bang in form and they're up to third in the midst of a seven game unbeaten run. They won 3-1 away at Yamagata at the weekend in round 25. They were grateful to their goalkeeper, Ryuki Mura, midway through the first half, as he made a superb save from a Wataru Tanaka chance. But shortly after that, the visitors went in front. Shota Kanako headed Ko Matsubara's left-wing cross against the crossbar, but Dudu was able to react quickest and scramble in the loose ball to make it Yamagata nil, Iwata 1. The crucial second goal came 10 minutes into the second half. Ryo Jermain with a firm header from a Matsubara corner, Five minutes after that goal, Yamagata reduced the deficit when a perfectly weighted through ball from Tanaka sent Rui Yokoyama clean through on goal. He fired through Mure's legs to make it 2-1. And the game was in the balance for the rest of the game, really. 
Dudu hit the crossbar as Iwata went in search of a third goal, and that third goal eventually arrived in the 82nd minute. Yamagata keeper Masaki Goto tried to punch across clear of the danger zone, but the ball dropped kindly for Matsubara, and he was able to volley into the net before Goto could reposition himself. So the final score at Ende Soft Stadium was Yamagata 1, Iwata 3. Uh, Yamagata stayed 12th. They've lost uh, three of their last four matches, but as mentioned, Iwata are bang in form and up to third. The team in fourth place is Kofu. After a late goal rush away at Fujieda on Sunday, the final score was Fujieda 1, Kofu 4. Kofu had some chances in the first half of this game, mainly through Yoshiki Torikai and Peter Utaka, but it did look like it was going to be goalless at the interval. However, just before the break, Kofu did take the lead in fairly fortunate fashion. A long-range free kick from Manato Shinada was straight at the Fujieda goalie Tomaki Ueda, who fielded the ball, but then slipped as he went to pick it up, and this presented a tap-in to the Kofu captain Hidehiro Sugai, and he made it 1-0 from virtually on the goal line. Kofu then doubled their lead in the 63rd minute. Utaka volleyed in a corner at the near post. Fujieda then pulled a goal back in the 70th minute, and it was a fine strike. Tojiro Kubo rather nonchalantly curling in from the edge of the penalty area, but Utaka restored Kofu's two-goal cushion with a low strike from about 25 yards, just four minutes after that. And then right at the death, a long goal kick from Kofu's Kohei Kawata ran all the way through to Jumma Miyazaki, and he was able to advance on goal and drill low into the bottom corner to make it Fujieda 1, Kofu 4. So uh, Fujieda in ninth place, uh, six points adrift uh, of a playoff spot, but as mentioned, uh, Kofu are up to fourth and they're looking good. Elsewhere in round 25, Oita's recent struggles continued with a costly home defeat against Shimizu. The final score was Oita 1, Shimizu 2 at the Rezunak Dome. There was a horrible start for Oita in the 10th minute of this game as their goalkeeper Konosuke Nishikawa made a bad mistake in possession. He passed the ball straight to Takashi Inui as the Shimizu man came to close him down and quick as a flash, the ball was in the net from Inui. Oita nearly levelled later on in the first half, but Shimizu keeper Shuichi Gonda made a brilliant double save from Naoki Nomura around the penalty spot. Oita did draw level five minutes into the second half though. A deep cross from the left from Kazuki Fujimoto found Yusuke Matsuo at the back post and he touched the ball past Gonda to make it 1-1. Shimizu then went close with a shot from the edge of the box from Koya Kitagawa that was just wide, but the away side won the game and moved into the top six on goal difference with a superb second goal from Inui in the 63rd minute. He advanced on the Oita goal and then let fly with a 25-yard shot right into the top corner in off the crossbar. Uh, to be honest, there are not too many J2 players who can do that. It was a brilliant goal from, uh, from Inui. Oita's night uh, was even more costly in the end. It finished with a red card for Kento Haneda in stoppage time. He was given a straight red card for bringing down Ryohei Shirasaki when it looked like the Shimizu player might go clean through on a breakaway out wide on the right. So Oita are in fifth place in the table after back-to-back defeats and no wins in any of their last four. Meanwhile, Shimizu are up to sixth. Uh, they're ahead of the seventh place team Nagasaki on goal difference. And for Nagasaki, well, they lost 1-0 at home to Yamaguchi in round 25. A shock win for resurgent Yamaguchi, thanks to a 15th-minute goal from Kota Kawano. Early on in the game, Yamaguchi had a great chance to go ahead when Shinya Yajima hooked a left-footed volley wide of the target from close range. 
but Kawano did give Yamaguchi the lead shortly afterwards. Takuyuki Mai put in a low shot from the edge of the Nagasaki box, and that fell kindly at the feet of his teammate Kawano, who quickly uh, adjusted his position and coolly beat the goalkeeper Go Hatano from about 12 yards. This was a bit of a subdued performance, I think, from Nagasaki after going behind, apart from some late headers that were fairly easily dealt with by Yamaguchi, and the visitors held on for a comfortable and a memorable win. So the final score was Nagasaki nil, Yamaguchi won. Nagasaki are pushed out of the top six by Shimizu, although, as mentioned, they're level on points. Yamaguchi, meanwhile, are up to 16th place on the back of a five-game unbeaten run during which they haven't conceded any goals. Let's be honest, none of us were really expecting that uh, when Juan Schneider took charge as a manager. All right, time to talk about the wrong end of the J2 table for a few minutes now, and Omiya Ardija stay rooted to the foot of the table after another defeat, this time 2-0 away at uh, Gunma. This was Gunma's first win in nine matches. It was clear from the kickoff that Gunma were out to cause Omiya quite a few problems in this game, and the home side took the lead in the 18th minute. Omiya just couldn't clear their lines, as has been the case so often this season. And when Ryo Kawamoto put in a low shot, visiting goalkeeper Takashi Kasahara could only palm the ball into the path of Yuria Takahashi for an easy tap-in inside the six-yard box. Kasahara then partly redeemed himself with a good save from Kawamoto, but he was not to be denied and he scored Gunma's second goal in the 40th minute. A header from a corner from Takahashi was again not really dealt with very well by Kasahara, who could only push the ball out into the danger zone again, and Kawamoto rifled the ball into the roof of the net to give Omiya a mountain to climb 2-0 down at half-time. The visitors did go close to pulling a goal back in the second half when Masaya Shibayama fired a shot from the edge of the penalty area against the post, but it finished Gunma 2, Omiya 0, so Omiya stay 9 points adrift of safety at the bottom, Gunma are in 8th place, at 5 points behind the top 7 teams. Also in the relegation zone are Kanazawa, who stay in deep trouble, 2 points adrift of safety after losing 1-0 away at Jeff Chiba, courtesy of a late Tomiya Miki goal. Hiroto Goya should have put Jeff in front on the half hour in this game, but put the ball wide from around 10 yards. And then from a similar position in the second half, Ryuhei Oishi had a rare Kanazawa chance, but put it wide of the target. After that, Kanazawa nearly went ahead in bizarre circumstances, when a very deep free kick from Yuto Nagamine nearly caught out Jeff goalkeeper Ryota Suzuki, who was making a rare start ahead of a regular first-choice Shota Arai. Suzuki just about managed to backpedal, get fingertips on the ball and claw it against the crossbar, and it bounced down on the goal line without going over. It's, uh, yeah, when you're down at the bottom of the table, these things just never go your way. And then in typical relegation zone fashion, Kanazawa then fell to an 82nd minute Jeff Chiba goal. When Koki Yonekura put in a cross from the right, Keita Buenika's superb overhead kick came back off the face of the crossbar and the loose ball fell to Miki, who was able to roll it in from about 12 yards. I don't think Kanazawa's goalie Yuto Shirai had uh, recovered his position uh, from that earlier Buenika effort. So uh, yeah, the ball ended up in the back of the net and it finished Jeff Chiba 1, Kanazawa nil. Four straight defeats for Kanazawa, that keeps them in 21st, uh, while Jeff uh, are in 15th. There was a superb game at Kanseki Stadium. It finished Tochigi 2, Sendai 2 uh, on Sunday evening. 
Sendai's goalkeeper Yuma Obata had already made a couple of good saves in this game before Tochigi went in front after about half an hour. A corner kick from Kenta Fukumori flicked off the head of Sendai defender Kim Taehyun and went to the back post where the unmarked Naoki Otani was able to head in from six yards and give Tochigi the lead. The visitors drew level just before the hour thanks to Foguinho. Uh, the ball ricocheted off a couple of Tochigi players on the edge of the penalty area and the ball uh, rolled kindly for the Brazilian midfielder to sweep it into the bottom corner for 1-1. Just three minutes after that, though, the home side went back in front. Yuto Yamada lofted a deep cross into the Sendai penalty area, and that found Hayato Kurosaki in plenty of space to volley past Obata for Tochigi 2, Sendai 1. But Sendai rescued a point and probably saved their coach Akira Ito's job for at least another week with a second equaliser in the 74th minute, this time Masahiro Sugata with a towering header from a corner. So it finished Tochigi 2, Sendai 2. Tochigi are just two points above the relegation zone in 20th, whereas Sendai, with no wins in any of their last six, are in 13th. There was a chaotic game at Iwaki Greenfield. The final score was Iwaki 4, Mito 3, an absolute classic, uh, certainly from an Iwaki point of view. But it was Mito who had a perfect start in this game, going in front in the fifth minute. Motaki Ohara worked himself a yard of space just inside the Iwaki box and then finished low into the bottom corner. It was 1-1 on the half hour thanks to an own goal uh, from Mito. Their captain, the luckless Takumi Kusumoto, diverting a low cross from Ryo Arita past his own goalkeeper. But Mito did end the first half in front, retaking the lead in stoppage time, Shimon Teranuma with a free header from a Hidetoshi Takeda corner. Mito were then in dreamland as the visitors went 3-1 up on the hour mark, a sumptuous free kick from Fumiya Unoki from about 25 yards that went in off the underside of the crossbar. But things started to go wrong for Mito and right for Iwaki just five minutes after that third goal, when a through ball sent Hiroto Iwabuchi bearing down on goal, and he placed a shot confidently past Mito's keeper, Rui Yamaguchi, from about 10 yards to make it 3-2. Just two minutes after that, it was suddenly 3-3. A low cross from Shu Yoshizawa was diverted into the net at close range by Kaina Tanimura, and a pulsating game had one final twist in the 88th minute, when a Mito corner was cleared out to Fumiya Sugira, he missed his kick completely as he tried to put the ball back into the Iwaki box, and that set up a two-man Iwaki breakaway. Iwabuchi traded passes with midfielder Eiji Miyamoto as they burst into the Mito half, and then Iwabuchi was able to beat Yamaguchi at close range to make it Iwaki 4, Mito 3, and uh, yes, a famous win for the home side. Uh, after a great run of form, Iwaki are suddenly 19th, level on points with 18th place Mito, so that shows you what an important three points this was for Iwaki. Uh, both sides are just three points clear of the drop zone. Finally, from the round 25 J2 slate, there were a couple of 1-1 draws at the weekend. Uh, let's start with Tokushima. Their game finished Tokushima 1, Okayama 1. Tokushima's goal led a charmed life in the first half of this game as Okayama hit the woodwork twice. Firstly with a Solomon Sakuragawa, he hit the bar with a fierce drive from 20 yards. And after that, Isa Sakamoto got to the byline and cut the ball back for Yudai Tanaka, but from 6 yards he hit the crossbar too. 
In the second half, it was the home side's turn to hit the frame of the goal. Ryoka Ishio's header from a corner grazed Okayama's far post. But then, 12 minutes from full time, Tokushima hit the front. Rookie forward Akito Tanahashi took the ball on a dribble to the edge of the Okayama penalty area and put in a shot that their goalkeeper Daiki Hotta could only push out to Yoichiro Kakitani and he scored from close range. But Tokushima and Okayama are the two sides that have drawn more often than any other in J2 this season and balance was restored to the force in the 89th minute when Okayama equalised. A diving header from Takaya Kimura from a Ryosuke Kawano corner made it 1-1. Kimura, by the way, back in the team after a very long injury layoff. So a very, very nice return to action for him. So it finished Tokushima 1, Okayama 1. Tokushima in 17th place with Okayama 10th. And yeah, as mentioned, in terms of draw, draw fetishists, Tokushima have 12 draws from their 25 matches this season. But Okayama have gone one better. They have 13 draws so far. At Soyuz Stadium, it finished Akita 1, Kumamoto 1, a brilliant start for Kumamoto with a fantastic goal to put them ahead in the 7th minute. Yuhi Takimoto with a superb strike from 25 yards, arrowing right into the top corner. In the second half, Akita nearly drew level with a delightful chip from Shota Aoki, but his effort came back off the face of the crossbar. And then at the other end, Akita's keeper Kentaro Kakoi was at full stretch to tip a shot from Shuhei Kamimura onto the crossbar. An equaliser for Akita didn't seem like it was going to come, but it arrived in the 89th minute when a left-wing cross from Tatsuya Koyanagi found Junki Hata unmarked on the edge of the six-yard box, and he planted a firm header past Ryuga Tashiro in the Kumamoto goal. So the final score was Akita 1, Kumamoto 1, and that's a draw that leaves Akita in 14th place and Kumamoto 11th. Okay, I think that's rounded up all of the J2 action from round 25 at the weekend. Before I hand you over to Mike Innes for all the J3 news in JTalk Short Corner, let's look ahead to a, a kind of intriguing uh, midweek uh, in J2 terms. The Emperor's Cup third round takes place this Wednesday night, July the 12th, and there are quite a few J2 teams still alive and kicking in the competition. So I'll run through the games uh, in the Empress Cup that have a J2 uh, entrant uh, right now. So yeah, all the games are taking place this Wednesday, July the 12th, and there is a, an early kickoff at 6.30pm that will see the J2 leaders Machida take on the J1 leaders Yokohama Marinos. Uh, that game's going to be played at Nozita at Machida's uh, Gion Stadium. And our 11 more ties, which see a J2 side take on a J1 opponent. They all kick off at 7pm on Wednesday night. I'll run through them uh, as quickly as I can. Uh, Sendai go away to Nagoya. That game's going to be played at Nagoya Port Stadium. So a Sendai against Nagoya is at 7pm. At the same time, Yamagata will take on Urawa. That game's going to be played at Yamagata's Endesoft Stadium. At the JIT Recycle Inc. Stadium... Kofu will take on Kashima Antlers. Uh, and then at Yamaha Stadium, uh, Iwata will uh, face Vissel Kobe. Other games where a J2 team takes on a, a J1 opponent include Omiya. They travel away to Seretsu Osaka. That game is going to be played at their Sakura Yodoko Stadium. At City Light Stadium, Okayama will take on uh, the bottom side in J1, Shonan Belmare. Mito at Kei's Denki Stadium, their regular home ground, will take on Kawasaki Frontale. 
And uh, yes, Kashiwa also struggling at the wrong end of J1. They have to go to uh, Tokushima. So Tokushima against Kashiwa is going to be at the uh, the Pokari Sweat Stadium. Tochigi also have a, a regular uh, home game on paper. They host uh, J1 side Hiroshima, although I think Tochigi are technically the away team. But uh, yes, Tochigi against Hiroshima is at uh, Tochigi's Kanseki Stadium. There's also a Kyushu derby uh, with a J1 versus J2 vibe as Kumamoto go away to Sagan Tosu. That game's going to be played at Tosu's Ekimai Fudosan Stadium. And uh, yeah, last but uh, probably uh, not least, it's the big Tokyo derby on Wednesday night in the Empress Cup. FC Tokyo from J1 against their uh, city rivals Tokyo Verdi from J2. That game is at Ajinomoto Stadium. And um, yeah, there hasn't been much buzz around the Empress Cup this season, I think it's fair to say, but there is quite a bit of buzz about this game. So I think my pick would be FC Tokyo against Tokyo Verdi on a Wednesday night. Okay, well, I hope everybody enjoys their, their Empress Cup football this midweek. There are a few other games, uh, including a couple involving J3 sides, which I think Mike is going to mention in a moment. But uh, yeah, we are going to do some kind of Empress Cup review before the weekend, I think. But our uh, plans are in flux this week. But uh, yes, please uh, please stay tuned. That That's coming uh, as soon as we work out exactly what we are going to do. But uh, yeah, that's all from the J2 side for JTEC for now. But please stay tuned. In a moment, you will have uh, Magic Mike Innes on hand. Uh, he has JTalk Short Corner. He has all the J3 news that you need to know coming up in a moment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 17 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 18 matches coming up this weekend. There were six games on Saturday the 8th, and the big one on paper was 4th against 5th, FC Imabari against Masashi Nakayama's Azul Claro Numazu. The first half was tense but goalless. Imabari's Kohei Tomita coming closest to breaking the deadlock when his volley was well saved by Hiromu Musha. The home side deservedly opened the scoring just before the hour mark. Dudu following up his hat-trick last week by burying a header from Yuta Mikado's in-swinging corner. Azul Claro, however, seemed to be adding resilience and a sprinkling of good fortune to the qualities introduced by Nakayama, as pressing forward in the 90th minute, Taiga Sugimoto was challenged by Mikado and the ball ricocheted straight to Noah Kenshin Brown, who struck a first-time shot that curled away from Genta Ito and inside the far post. Eye of the needle stuff. And the visitors could have won it in injury time, Ito stretching to keep out a header from Terukazu Shinozaki and in the follow-up, Sugimoto hitting the post and Haruki Toyama having a shot deflected onto the bar. Final score, Imabari 1, Numazu 1. Having had the better of things, this was two points dropped by Niki Takagi's side, but they really can't complain. They slip to fifth. How Nakayama has transformed Noah Kenshin Brown into a striker capable of scoring in four straight games is a true footballing conundrum. Azul Claro are sixth. 
Incredible scenes at Van Rane Hatchinohe, where more than 3,000 people were in attendance to see Van Rane pick up their first home win since March, as they crushed crisis club AC Nagano Parseiro. Nagano coach Yuki Stauf made five changes to the side who lost 4-0 at home to Imabari last week, but it made no difference as his team put on another shocking defensive display put to the sword by Hachinohe. This a game that will live long in the memory of Paseiro keeper Kim Min-ho for all the wrong reasons. In the 14th minute, his defence was overrun on a counter-attack and he fumbled Kai Sasaki's shot, allowing Masashi Kokobun to convert the rebound. Nagano were condemned to defeat by conceding twice in four minutes early in the second half. Now Yuki Yamada heading Yuya Himeno's corner into an empty net after Kim came out for the catch but got nowhere near it. A lofted Himeno free kick drifted over Kim and into the net for 3-0 with less than an hour played. Parseiro's misery was complete in stoppage time. Again, their defence wide open as the ball reached Yuki Aida. His shot was blocked, the loose ball picked up by Daisuke Inazumi, who chipped it delicately in off the far post. Parseiro again a minimal attacking threat, while Van Rare had one ruled out for offside from Sasaki and hit the post through Riku Yamauchi. Final score Hachinohe 4 Nagano 0, equaling Van Rane's biggest ever winning margin in the J League. They go up to 7th. Stealth in the press conference afterwards commented Parseiro have become a weak team and need a reset to become strong again. Is he the person for the job? His team are now joint 15th. Parseiro's rivals Matsumoto Yamaga aren't quite in the same predicament, but things are not going well for Masahiro Shimoda's side. They have one point from three games after falling to a late defeat at FC Ryukyu. It all started well enough for Yamaga in only the second minute, Yota Shimokawa advancing down the left and feeding Yuta Taki, whose low cross was converted by Yusuke Kikui. But it was downhill from there, as the home side offered by far the greater attacking threat. The equaliser finally came six minutes from time. Takuma Abe creating panic in the away defence. Sho Hiramatsu having his shot cleared off the line by Daiki Higuchi. Saddam Sule firing in the loose ball. And in the final minute of the 90, Abe got himself on the end of Yu Tomidokoro's free kick and slipped it in at the far post to seal the win. Final score, Ryukyu 2, Matsumoto 1. A hard-earned three points for Ryukyu, but it helps them climb to 11th. Yamaga may have advantages other J3 clubs can only dream of, but on the field is where it counts, and so far this season, the evidence is Shimoda can't instil the consistency to succeed. His team are now ninth. J-talk, extra time. 
Kohei Masamoto did his hopes of taking over as permanent boss at Gainale Totori no harm at all thanks to their win at Tegevajano Miyazaki. Seven points from Masamoto's three games in charge. They did have defender Ryoya Izumi to thank for keeping them on level terms early on as he cleared off the line Harumi Minamino's goal-bound chip. Gainale went ahead in the 29th minute. Yuta Togashi's brilliant flick setting up Arya Jasuru Hasegawa, who drilled it into the roof of the net for his first goal in a green shirt. And Totori were two up by half-time. Some clever interpassing opening up the left-hand side of the home defence. Taku Ushinohama's cutback slid into his own net by Ryoma Eguchi. Remarkable events in the closing stages, the ball ricocheting around the Gainari box and eventually being prevented from going in when it bounced off Tegevajaro sub Kazuki Takahashi as he stood on the goal line. Final score, Miyazaki nil, Totori 2. Tegevajaro's unbeaten run comes to an end after seven games. They drop to 13th. Under Masamoto, particular signs of improvement to the Gainare defence, and his team climb four places to 12th. In last week's episode, I said there were signs they may be starting to piece themselves together, but Iwate Guruja Morioka weren't able to carry that potential into their home game against Gidamans Kitakyushu. Very, very little goalmouth action in this one. The decisive moment coming in the 34th minute when Iwate defender Kentaro Kai played a ball out from the back that gave teammate Lee Yongjik no chance of retaining possession. Rinpei Okano duly intercepted it and fed Ryusei Nose, who finished from 15 yards. Final score, Iwate nil, Kitakyushu won. Guruja coach Yoshika Matsubara hasn't resolved his best attacking lineup, and certainly Douglas Oliveira offered nothing here. The team dropped back to 14th. Three more precious points for Guinevance, who remain 19th, but continue to move closer to the teams above them. Bit of a slip in form lately for YSCC Yokohama. They're four without a win following a home loss to Kamatemari Sanuki, for whom Soshi Iwagishi was the star man on only his second ever J-League start. Things began well for YSCC, who took the lead inside two minutes. Shuntaro Koga cutting it back for the unmarked Daiki Sato, whose scuffed shot had enough on it to bounce past Yusuke Imamura. Two in two games for the loney from FC Machina Zelvia. But Kamatamari pulled things level nine minutes later. Taiyo Shimokawa's through pass freeing up Iwagishi to sprint beyond the home defence and fire low inside Jun Kodama's far post. YSCC's Ecuadorian forward Carlos Arroyo put a lob just over the bar and Sato had a header chalked off for offside as the home side looked to restore their lead. But it was the Noodle Boys who went in front five minutes before half-time. Iwagishi getting the better of both Minoru Hanafusa and Takuya Fujiwara and then unselfishly setting up Kaima Akahoshi to finish.
In the second half, Koga's blistering half volley from 20 yards against the post was the home side's best chance of getting something from the game. Final score though, YSCC 1, Sanuki 2, 4 without a victory for K Hoshikawa's team who are joint 15th. Kamatamari's new loan signing from Toyama, Shota Kawanish, not involved in this game. Despite it being their first away win since October, they stay 17th. Then on Sunday the 9th, leaders Katare Toyama went to second-placed Ehime FC in what turned out to be one of the games of the season so far. The match was dominated by two strikers, both starting their first games of the season. The opening period belonged to Katane and Yohei Ono, who headed his team into a 27th minute lead after Shosaku Yasumitsu had dinked across to the far post and Daiki Yagishita nodded it back across goal. And two minutes later, Ono repeated the trick, another attack down the Toyama left, Yasumitsu feeding Tsubasa Yoshihira, who got to the bylines across for Ono to scramble it in. Ehime's right back Shuma Mihara was being torn apart and not surprisingly was replaced at half-time by Yuto Hikida, who within five minutes of the restart had pulled his team back into the game with a stunning strike from 20 yards that gave Tomoki Tagawa no chance. And within three minutes, the mighty Mikans were level, Yutaka Soneda and Tatsuya Yamaguchi combining to rob a lumbering Arthur Silva, Yamaguchi then sending in a cross that Shunpei Fukahori nicked in at the near post. In the 71st minute, Fukahori made it 3-2 with a penalty awarded after he was brought down by Junya Imase and 10 minutes later he completed his hat-trick, exchanging passes with Soneda to cut through a compliant Katari defence and stroke it home from 10 yards. Toyama did push back, Yasumitsu's header pulling a diving save out of homekeeper Shugo Tsuji, and in the 90th minute they did indeed reduce the deficit, Yagishita heading in Daichi Matsuoka's cross. Final score in this breathless game though, Ehime 4, Toyama 3. Ehime go top of the table for the first time all season. Despite Orno's efforts, and why doesn't he start more often, as with his power and ability in the air, Orno brings something few other J3 strikers can match, Katane lose two promotion rivals for the second consecutive week, and so slip from top to third. Moving into second place above them go Kagoshima United, home winners over Fukushima United. The sixth minute opener was not exactly a goal out of the beautiful game training guide, but Frank Romano gave Kagoshima the lead from close range after good work by Yuji Kimura. The advantage lasted only nine minutes as Toshihiro Hattori's wild card starter up front, Hiroto Yukie, pulled the strugglers level, tapping in at the far post after Kazuki Dohana had flicked on a corner. Fukushima's Kota Mori then brought a fine save out of Kenta Matsuyama, and at the other end, Kagoshima were awarded a penalty when Dohana handled Masayoshi Endo's cross. 
only for club legend Noriaki Fujimoto to strike his spot kick well wide of the target. 1-1 at half-time, but 11 minutes after the break, the visitors Shun Orbu picked up a loose ball in defence, but badly misplaced his pass, allowing Eisuke Watanabe to sweep it in from the edge of the box. And on 63 minutes, Kagoshima extended their lead when Kaito Yamamoto parried Hiroya Nodake's long-range shot. Frank Romero got to the loose ball and set up Shuto Nakahara for a comfortable finish. Final score, Kagoshima 3, Fukushima 1. The Smoking Volcanoes move back into the promotion places as they go second. Fukushima are on three straight losses now and they remain 18th. Couple of subdued 1-0s to finish with this week. In the afternoon heat of Nana Club, it looked like FC Gifu were going to come away with a point, but in the fifth minute of stoppage time at the end of the game, their veteran forward Junya Tanaka unaccountably turned back into danger on the edge of his own area and played a pass easily picked up by Hayato Asakawa, whose snapshot flicked off Yoshihiro Shoji and in. Final score, Nana 1, Gifu 0. The home side jump four places to fourth. Gifu drop to tenth. And lastly, for his team's match at FC Osaka, SC Sagamihana coach Kazuyuki Toda tried something different, restoring to the role of lone striker Ibrahim Junior Kuribara, who then went off injured after only 10 minutes. The only goal came half an hour in when Woon Sang-ho curled a 30-yard free kick low around the wall and beyond the reach of Takahiro Koga to put Osaka in front. And that's how it stayed. Final score, Osaka 1, Sagamihara 0. Ryo Shigaki's Osaka, the form team in the division at present, not at their most compelling here, but they climb to 8th. Where are Sagamihara? going to get a win. They're dead last. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 17. The top six are Ehime with 32 points, Kagoshima with 31, Toyama 30, then Nara, Imabari and Numazu all have 27. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are YSCC and Nagano, dead level with 21 points, Sanaki with 19, Fukushima 15, Kitakyushu 14, and bottom of the table with 10, Sagamihara. Before I take a quick look ahead to the round 18 fixtures this weekend, just to mention I'm recording this episode prior to the Emperor's Cup third round ties between Toyama and Albirex Niigata and between Gifu and Avispa Fukuoka being played on Wednesday the 12th. Coverage of those games in next week's episode. As for the league, there are five games on Saturday the 15th. New leaders Ehime are at Hachinohe. Third place Toyama are at home to Ryukyu. From among the chasing pack, Nara make the trip to Sagamihara and Imabari go to Gifu. Sanaki play host to 
Miyazaki. Then on Sunday the 16th, big game at Numazu, where the visitors are Kagoshima. Matsumoto are at home to Fukushima. Form team Osaka head down to Kitakyushu. Can Nagano bring an end to their current slump as they host Totori? And finally, Iwate are at home to YSCC. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.